Earners, what's going on? Listen, EYLU is relaunching, revamping, retooling. That's right, we're creating a new educational experience that's more expansive. Shari, tell me what we got. Yes, 2023. We got a lot in store, a lot planned for you guys. So you know that EYLU already includes monthly financial planning calls with me, book club calls with Troy, real estate calls with MG the Mortgage Guy, access to the home buying blueprint, volume one and volume two. Part of the revamp will include 27 local chapters from across the United States, live interactive teaching, hands-on, not just pre-recorded videos, plus 15 brand new curriculums. The biggest just got bigger. Head over to EYLUniversity.com. That's E-Y-L-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. See you there. Earners, what's up? Look, as an entrepreneur, the dream is to earn a living doing what you love. But let's face it, turning that dream into reality is no small feat. That's where Kajabi steps in, transforming challenges into opportunities. I've been there, juggling every aspect of my business, wishing for a simpler way to diversify revenue and grow my brand. Then Kajabi changed the game. It's an all-in-one platform that empowered me to not just build, but thrive. With Kajabi, creating online courses, membership sites, and more became not just possible, but easy. And the best part? I kept 100% of what I earned, thanks to Kajabi's no-commission policy. But Kajabi isn't just about tools. It's about building a profitable business with the support of robust analytics, easy payment options, and customizable templates, all without needing a huge team or audience. Join me and thousands of entrepreneurs making six or seven figures on Kajabi, regardless of your audience size. If you're ready to turn your passion into profit, Kajabi is your next step to success. So what are you waiting for? Build, grow, and keep what you earn with Kajabi. Start your journey today. And right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash earn. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash earn. Kajabi.com slash earn. And join the entrepreneurs and creators who've made over $6 billion. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over there now. Earners, what's up? Look, this episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your money. I can't front. The nerds have helped me get smarter about a few things, like planning my tax bills so that I don't dread April every year, or making a budget that's balanced, not just buying sneakers and fly clothes, or saving on travel because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night or maybe a five-star dinner. Or boosting my credit score, since we all know credit is like the real-life cheat code. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines can have on your life. You'll get the clarity you need to make smart decisions with confidence. Smart money is the smartest way to get even smarter about money. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you? Well, thank you. All right, guys, welcome back. Yeah, I am back home. Um, so yeah, this is going to be a very important episode. Something that we always have to cover periodically. Mm -hmm. um, credit, very important topic when you talk about finance, financial literacy, business. And um, Shonda Martin, somebody that we actually had on a few of our events, mm -hmm. but never had an interview. Uh, we had an event in Oakland with Chase a few years ago. We did that? That was fun. Yeah, that was real fun. And then um, Invest Fest. 
Yep. You did Invest Fest twice, right? Did Invest Fest twice, and we went to Howard. Yeah, yeah. and we went to Howard. That's a to Howard. Yeah. Yeah. For oh, sure. this is home team. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's no. home team. This is home team. Yeah. This is home team. Yeah, yeah. So she's been on the road with us. Um, but like I said, we haven't actually been able to have a formal conversation. I know a lot of people come to the events, but there's probably gonna be more people that actually get a chance to view it in this capacity through audio, YouTube, and um, you know, social media. So, um, yeah. First and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, for sure. So you're a credit educator. I know you're the owner of uh, your company, which is Road to 750. Yes. And uh, Credit Academy. So um, first, you know, obviously we got a lot of questions about credit, but mm -hmm. how did how did this start for you? Because um, there's a lot of people that, you know, say that they do credit and stuff like that. But how did your journey end up to where you are now? Yeah, so... It kind of happened by accident. Like literally I was in college and I, that was the first time I realized I did not have good credit. I tried to get a car. They wanted me to finance it at like 28%. Damn. I took it cause I didn't even, I didn't oh, even, it. yeah. Cause I didn't grow up learning about credit or knowing about credit. It wasn't a thing. So um, by the time I realized I had bad credit, it was too late. I was already uh, mid contract. So when I, you know, went to renew my car, they told me, you know, hey, you can't, you'll, you're going to take negative equity into your new loan. You need to fix your credit. And I just went home and I just started researching it. So as I began to like fix my own credit, repair it and, and like build, um, I started like telling my family and friends about it, like things to do, things that were working for me. And it started with me starting a Facebook group with like 10 people just for my family and friends. And that ended up, that group now has over like 600,000 people, but it started just in that group, me thinking I'm sharing credit information with family and friends. And I ended up going to school for it, changing my major, switching my major, studying it, getting certified, getting board certified. And it kind of just happened like that. I started trying to fix my own and then I just like became obsessed and fell in love with, with credit. 20, 28% is crazy. Did, were you aware that your credit, I mean, obviously it was a mm -hmm. surprise to you, but what were the things that you were doing looking back that were negatively affecting your credit? I think my biggest thing was I, I wasn't I hadn't built credit at that point like it was it was I was always taught no credit cards cash buy everything if you if you don't have the money for it you can't afford it mm. now I know that of course it's not true but living that way you know caused me to not have credit and then the credit that I did have I had like a few collections just low level like T-Mobile phone bills and stuff like that but yeah so I had no credit and then on top of that I had a few bad accounts gotcha yeah so um okay so when did you start like teaching credit um, so it started, like I said, with just teaching, sharing information, I would say, with my family and friends. I didn't start officially teaching it until um, I got certified. So I, I was certified through FICO, um, and then I went to get certi board certified as a credit educator. And so that was when I was, like, comfortable with sharing information. Uh, I'm just the type that I don't like to teach or educate about anything that I don't feel like I'm an expert in, especially online, because you know people 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 crazy so yeah i definitely um after i realized like i had a passion for it i knew that this was something that the people that look like me in my community i knew that this this was something that they was missing mm -hmm. and i knew that i could explain it in a way that they can they would understand which is what was like the driving force around me getting the formal education and then like translating it to my audience and people that look so like what me. is that is a fico certification yes, yes. What, what is that Oh, they need the program back. But it was a program where you would go through, it was eight weeks and you would literally just learn the ins and outs of the FICO score. Like every how every single point is allocated. Um, 
how how your credit we had to break down a credit report um i'm able to like look at a credit report and immediately identify any areas of opportunity like they teach the fico course taught you in a way that credit is not being taught anymore it was just like diving in detail about how every single item affects your score things that that will lend points to your score and it just kind of took the mask off i would say of just credit score so when we talk about fico a lot of people what's your fico score what's your credit score yes how does this work because we know that there's bureaus experian equifax transunion mm -hmm. and then there's fico are the scores from those three bureaus average and that becomes your FICO? So how does that work? So the easiest way to explain it is we have three separate credit scores. Mm -hmm. um, they're assigned by TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. Um, so those are three scores that you'll, you'll, you're assigned. Now, when it comes to FICO score and credit score, FICO score is the industry standard. So like if you're purchasing a home, if you're buying a car, applying for a credit card, they're going off your FICO score. Okay. Um, the difference is most people are only privy of their vantage score which is essentially just like a, a a free version of fico score and that is like when you have credit karma most most credit monitoring apps will give you your vantage score mm -hmm. as opposed to your fico score which is why a lot of times people will think that they know what their credit score is and they'll go apply for something and they're like well credit karma was telling me i had a 650 but the car lot is telling me i have a 540. um so there there are three different credit scores and within to not make it complex fico has uh, many different models so depending on what you're applying for the lender will choose a different model that yeah. that they'll pull i think i've seen that so mm -hmm. it was like if i needed a loan it was like fico score eight or yes, if i needed yes. a credit card it was, it was different bureaus inside of it and they mm -hmm. they could be similar or they could be vastly different they right? could be vastly different yeah because yeah. they're graded differently true so the the ones that i like to talk about because i think that everyone should be aware of these different ones fico a is the the one that's used the most so especially when you're applying for credit cards um some car and personal loans they're going to use fico a mm -hmm. when you're purchasing a home they're specifically going to use fico's two four and five which are known as the mortgage scores if you're purchasing a car they're going to use your your fico five i mean your fico um six which is your auto score okay. so there's those are like the three most used versions or widely used versions of your FICO score. But the way that I teach credit, um, you when you fix your credit profile, it'll translate across all scores, which is why I don't necessarily like place too much emphasis on the different versions of your FICO score. Because if you have a healthy profile, it'll translate regardless of which score is pulled. Keep it healthy. Yeah. So what factors contribute to your, um, your personal credit score? So Credit score is, your credit score is broken down into five categories, right? So most people know your payment history is 35%, your uh, credit utilization is 30%, credit age is 15%, and then hard inquiries and um, credit mix are both 10%, right? So those are the five factors that, that, that um, lend to your credit scores. Now, they're weighted differently. So payment history is 35% or, or worth up to 192.5 points. Um, credit utilization is worth 165 points. Credit age is worth 82.5 points. And then hard increase in credit mix are both worth 55 points each, right? So those are the separate factors. And when you're building your credit, if you focus on those top three categories, which is credit utilization, payment history, and credit age, you'll have at least like a 680, 690 and sometimes even a 700 depending so, on so can you yeah. go through each one of those top three like yeah credit mm -hmm. utilization explain i definitely can so payment history is the largest factor in your credit score so 
In layman's terms, pay your bills on time. Um, if you cannot make a payment, schedule schedule an arrangement with the with your bank. Because the second that your bank reports a late payment, which is a payment that's 30 days past the due date, you will have a late payment. Um, because your payment history is the largest factor, one late payment can literally drop your score up to 100 points, depending. Um, and so then credit utilization, which is one that's slept on. And honestly, it's the one to me that has the most immediate impact on your score. So what I mean by that is your credit utilization is pertaining to credit cards. So how, how much you're using your credit card, how much, how much balance, how much of a balance you carry over to the next month is going to determine your utilization. Keeping that below 10% is going to do wonders for um, any profile. And then credit age is something that when you're in the beginning of building your credit, you're not really going to have any control over that. As you open new accounts, close new accounts, if you are repairing your credit and you're getting things deleted, that also um, affects your credit age because it is an average. Um, so after you after you get your, your basic base level credit profile, and we can go into that, don't apply for anything for six to nine months six to nine months and that'll that'll aid to improving your credit age um, because that's the mistake that a lot of people make when they're building credit the the probably the number one mistake is what applying too fast trying to build credit too fast trying to thinking that anything that they apply for and get approved for it's a great thing for their credit profile so so the kid that's walking on a campus right now mm -hmm. <laughs> he's walking in, into that calf and those those companies are waiting for them to give them that five hundred dollar card, yeah, or the thousand dollar card. Yeah, sometimes now, two thousand yeah. if they know you, right? Yeah, we want to make sure that they're using ten percent of that, perhaps. So it's not necessarily using ten percent. So okay. when it comes to using a credit card, yeah. um, there, when it comes to using your credit card, most people think that utilization depends on your usage, and it doesn't. Okay. It just depends on what you carry over, and I'll explain that. Utilization is only reported one day a month. So it's on your statement date, which is the last day of your billing cycle. Matter of fact, everybody who has a credit card needs to look at their credit card statement and find their statement date. It's the last day of the billing cycle. That date is so important because whatever balance that you have on a credit card, that is what's going to be reported to the credit bureaus and also used as your utilization. Your statement date is different from your due date. So most people get confused because your due date is going to be before your statement date, probably like a week or two prior. So even if you paid your credit card bill down to zero by your due date, if that balance is not still under 10% by your statement date, then it's not going to be counted as your utilization. It's not gonna be reported to the credit bureaus. Mm -hmm. So knowing, identifying when your statement date is and making sure that you pay your balance, pay off at least 90% of whatever you spent during the month, pay off that um, balance, then you'll be good. Cause like if you have a $500 credit card, you can use the entire $500. You don't have to stay below 30% or 10%. You just have to make sure you pay it back within that same billing cycle, which is which is key. Um, okay, so what are the first steps to building good good credit history? Um, okay, so the first steps I would say is, so I have a, a, a basic base level credit profile recommendation for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. I say that if you are wanting to build credit, but but like build a healthy credit profile that will continue to grow and kind of set you up to get high credit offers and low interest rates and all of that, the base level credit profile. 
um, everyone needs at least two credit cards. It needs to be at least two revolving credit cards, right? Um, doesn't matter the limit, doesn't matter if it's subprime, it doesn't matter if it's secured, you can literally get two $200 credit cards, right? Um, make sure that you keep that utilization every single month, you keep that utilization below 10%, right? And then because we have to hit a limit of, we have to hit um, at least four accounts, two of them will be credit cards. The third account needs to be a short-term installment. A short-term installment is just any installment under 36 months, self, um, kickoff. They're, they're, every bank pretty much offers a credit builder loan. Um, and then if you can get a long-term installment. So if you have a student loan, if you have a car loan, if you have a mortgage, those are considered long-term installments. So if you already have those, you don't need to apply for another one. Um, just focus on the other three accounts. And having those four accounts, two being credit cards, two being installments, short-term and long-term, it's going to, and, and not applying for anything else, I wanna be clear, do not apply for anything else after you get that, um, those, those, those accounts. Don't apply for anything else for six to nine months and you should be able to get pretty much any credit card that you want. Consider if you pay it on time and, you know, of course, make sure you're not getting collections and other things. But yeah, that's the perfect credit profile that speaks to the credit scoring algorithm and will allow your credit score to grow at the at the most rapid pace would you put the buy now pay later companies into that short term right like the affirms of the so, world it depends because i see a lot of those on credit reports and right. i'm glad you brought that up a lot of those people are getting them too often like they'll they'll finance a 200 purchase any loan under 200 just looks like a low level loan it's not it doesn't feed the algorithm of the credit scores they they pretty much kind of look down on that right like so if you're applying for credit in and your lender sees a lot of those buy now pay later accounts and uh low level is what they call low level accounts that almost regardless of what your score is that that's almost to your detriment because it looks like this person is not financial financially stable um a lot of people don't realize that their score doesn't tell like their score is just for a consumer really when it comes to like your lenders they're looking at so much more than your score like it, there are so many other determinant factors of if you're going to get approved for a card a car um over your score like your score tells them nothing because you can falsely inflate your score people buy trade lines all the time and things of that nature when it comes to your credit profile doing things like that i would not recommend not in the beginning not unless you have an established credit profile with years of credit history then you can kind of afford to to have those accounts so um okay so what's the best ways to use credit cards to Im improve your your credit score yeah credit cards are my favorite because like i said they they're like the only accounts that have an immediate impact like when you get a loan you're not really going to see you don't really see the the positive benefits of a loan until you're at least 90 percent done so most people will get a car loan and they're like i've been paying my car on time why why is my score not increasing it's because you're very early into that loan right when it comes to credit cards, you can see uh, a change in your credit score within like 60 days, as long as you know how to use it. And I would say how I use if we're we can just use a $200 credit card, for instance. Right. If you have a $200 credit card, the first thing you're going to do is identify your due date and your statement date. Right. Your due date, you want to make sure that you zero. I zero out my balance on my on my due date, because any balance that you carry over past your due date, your bank can charge you interest on or will charge you interest on. 
Um, so after my due date passes, I wait my wait until my statement date and I make sure that my balance is whatever the credit card limit is. If I have a $200 credit card, I make sure my balance is below uh, $20 going into that next cycle. After your statement date passes, rinse and recycle. You can spend it or, you know, do whatever you please. But identifying those two dates, understanding when you need to pay your credit card, understanding how much you need to carry over or not will will be the the saving grace for credit limit increases and growing so let your credit me ask score. Follow up. Is it is it mm -hmm. you supposed to pay off the full balance or leave a little bit on because some people say you're supposed to leave a little bit on yeah. the credit card every so month. Th that's a great question and i'm glad you asked that you i pay my full balance off by my due date so i'm not charged interest however i do carry over one to three percent on my statement date why if you report a zero zero percent utilization sometimes the algorithm could read that is you don't have a credit card one or Contrary to popular belief, lenders don't like when you don't use your credit card. Yeah, I was that's yeah, like they want to see usage because that doesn't if you yeah. don't if you're not using a credit card, that doesn't really speak to to your your money management or financial management skills. It just shows you don't use it, right? So if you're if you leave a small balance, it shows that you use it, but also shows that you pay it back. I think that was that's a very common misconception. Mm -hmm. And I had to realize that. Like I would use the card or even for the company, I would use the card pay it down mm -hmm. um on a personal level when i did it i watched my credit score drop mm -hmm. because it showed right. that i had zero i'm like wait i thought i'm doing the right thing because mm -hmm. i have nothing but it shows that there's zero utilization there but let's stay on utilization when is it a good time to now ask for a credit increase oh my favorite yeah. uh depending on the bank i ask for a credit limit increase every 91 to like 120 days like i'm getting on all of my credit cards i'm getting multiple credit limit increases a year um but you have like so my my sort of trick or not trick but what i um advise of people is if you know you have a card that can obviously grow because you have some cards that they just won't give you capital they won't give you an increase <laughs> they, they'll they'll give you an increase or they may not give you an increase or it'll be like very minimal right so if you're dealing with like am i able to say companies names yeah if you're dealing with what's considered the top three which is amex chase um and city they're going to give you a credit limit increase. However, you have to make sure that 60 days, the 60 days prior to you to um, until you're asking for that increase, you are feeding the algorithm. Number one, make sure you have automated payment on. Right. It, it could be for at least your minimum payment. Like it doesn't have to be your full balance. Just have auto pay on because the, the, the system loves that. Right. Make sure that you have at least two reoccurring charges on your credit card. By the way, any subscription that people have, this is this this is one thing that drives me crazy. If you have Netflix, Hulu, Apple Music, and a list of a host of other subscriptions that uh, we have, make sure those are on a credit card. Like, there's no reason why any auto pay, any subscription should be from a debit card because that's a wasted opportunity to have reoccurring charges on your credit card. Um, having at least two reoccurring charges, having auto pay set up, making sure you do at least ten transactions within that month. Um, and also, like I said, making sure you pay on time, do that for at least 60 days. So two billing cycles, and then you apply for an increase. But if you have a car and you're not using it, um, you're not going to get a credit limit increase, no matter, regardless of how high your credit score is. A lot of banks will not give you the increase simply because you just don't use the card enough. Cause that's actually the number one reason for credit limit increase denials is, um, low usage on, on the card. So, okay. Um, what are, how can you avoid pitfalls with, with credit cards? Because obviously a lot of people fall into issues. Obviously, just don't spend too much. But yeah. 
you know, what are some ways we, it's like best practices as far as using credit cards the right way? Yes, um, that's a big one. And to be completely honest, like I tell people, credit card is not an extension of your money. It should replace the money, like your bank account, right? So I am a person that lives off my credit card. And when I say live off my credit card, I mean all of my daily expenses or anything that could be on a credit card, I use my credit card for because I want the points. I want want the usage and all of that. However, I make sure that I pay it back. That's the thing. Do not spend, if you don't have it in your bank account or know you're not getting it in your bank account within the next two weeks, you don't have it to spend, regardless of if it's a credit card or um, or what. Um, the only exception is if it's like an emergency, you know, like if you just can't help it, you have a, a true emergency, not shopping or anything like that, then it's really easy to manage a credit card as long as you're not looking at it as if it's an extension of your money. It's not. You have to pay it back. And it's just like, um, that's where checking your financial habits will come into play. Um, a lot of times people will improve their credit, get access to these high limit cards, and then they find themselves in the hole deep because they're just, they can't, they can't manage their money properly. They go out and spend, 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 and not realizing like, you got to pay that back. So yeah, you just got to make sure that you're not looking at your credit card limit as your money. Cause it's not. Yeah. That's often a mistake that we make. Um, and you do that at a very young age yeah. um, but there's an importance of having credit at a young age like you yes. said one of those factors mm -hmm. is the credit age right and mm -hmm. so if we're getting credit at 20 23 years old we've missed some years that we actually could have so talk about the importance of establishing credit at a younger age maybe talk about authorized users and things like that yeah absolutely so for the parents out there um, I recommend every parent, if you can, um, if you have a credit card that you know you're not going to you know, pay late or whatever and with good history, I recommend to add your child at no later than 17. Now, if you now if your child is 18, obviously you can add them. But adding your child um, from from the ages of 16 through 17 will set them up for when they turn 18, they'll already have an established credit profile. Most people don't realize that you do not have a FICO score just because you turned 18. You have to have six months of credit history with at least two accounts before FICO will issue you a credit score, right? So as opposed to just starting at 18 and building your own credit, if you have a parent, a responsible parent that will put you on their credit card prior, at least six months prior to your 18th birthday, you'll already start off, you know, a little ahead of the pack, right? So as opposed to getting those entry-level credit cards, sometimes you can get um, quality offers because mo it's really easy to get a 700 credit score, especially if you have no collections or you haven't messed up your credit yet. It is super easy to get 700. So adding, if you, if you have the opportunity to be an authorized user on a family member's card, and if if you share an address with them, it's better because nowadays the the anti abuse laws affects uh, affects um, trade lines uh, authorized users, and so if you have the same address or the same last name, you'll be more credited for those accounts, right? Or for the yeah for the uh, authorized user accounts. Setting um, once you turn eighteen though, because this is the mistake a lot of parents make, they'll put their child on their credit card at like fifteen, sixteen, whatever, and then whenever they turn eighteen, the child will have like a seven hundred credit score. And as opposed to making the child or having the child apply for their own accounts, they just kind of lean on, lean on, lean on mom's card or mom's credit history and think that it's going to take them far. And that's where they run into the situation of having a high credit score, but not a lot of credit, not a, a worthy cre credit borrow wing. Right. Mm -hmm. So you need to make sure that when that child turn, turns 18, like 
on my children on their 18th birthday we're going to be applying for a credit card on their 18th birthday because the earlier the earlier the better apply for a credit card please apply for a credit card before a student loan that's just like a a, a side note that's one of the things that's one of the mistakes that i wish that i can catch um with a lot of people having a credit card be your first established account your credit age is going to be reliant on that account the great thing about credit cards is they can be open forever like there is no end date to a credit card unless you choose to close the card or the bank chooses to close the card whereas a loan every loan has a term date every loan will end eventually so when your credit age is based on a loan once that once that account closes yeah, yeah, your credit age is going to be affected drastically, right? So if you have your first established account as a credit card, that's sort of like a safety blanket for your credit age. Um, and so make sure at 18, apply for a card. It, could be a, it can be a secure card. It can be a, a subprime card, whatever. Apply for a credit card and then start to build your own credit history because authorized users can only take you so far yeah, and yeah. not very far nowadays. Just, so. just a quick follow-up because you did mm -hmm. bring up closing cards. And I know a lot yes. of people, as they're trying to fix their credit, are like, all right, well, I paid it off. Let me close it. Mm -hmm. Talk about mm -hmm. like how that could negatively affect your score as well. Yeah, it could. Um, my rule of thumb when it comes to closing credit cards is if you have, if the credit card has an annual fee um, and you're not getting any increases and the, it's just not worth it to keep it, there will be, there will come a time where you'll probably want to close that card. When you close that card is super important. Number one, if you are applying for any, Thing, any large purchase like a car or home within the next six months, it's not the time to close that car. Close it after you you get your car, your home, whatever. Um, you, the only time I would suggest you closing a credit card is if you know if you know, like I said, six months free of any applications, um, and also make sure that you have another card before you close that card. Like, do not like I see people all the time. Like, I just hate this card. I want to close it, etc. And it's just like that's going to do more harm than good. I have a $200 Capital One card that I've had since college. That card is still open. I haven't gotten an increase in years. I don't even care to use the card. I keep it open specifically because credit age. Uh, an, an aged credit card is the most beneficial thing that you can have on your credit report. That like the most. And it's one of those things that's like the gift that never, never stops giving because every single three to six months that a card ages, it's going to, to add more to your credit age and also your FICO points. So um keep that in mind so don't close a card unless you have to um if you if you have a card that you don't use put a subscription on it i have netflix like use one use pick one of your subscriptions that you probably have coming out of your bank account assign those to each of you know each of your credit cards so that it can have usage so the bank will not close it due to um non-usage so what about putting your child on the credit card yeah as so a child yeah, for I so the one of the things that people think that makes a difference is if they add their child at like 12 or 13. That that doesn't make it regardless if you add your child at 12 or if you add them at 17, it will not make a difference in terms of uh the effect that it'll have on their credit reports. That's a misconception. However, um me personally, I would suggest like I said adding your child at like 17. When you when someone adds their child at 13 to me, it just that's a that's that's what seven years, seven, eight years until they turn 18. And that's a lot of room. It leaves a lot of room open for a mistake. What happens if you get a late payment on that card and now your child's credit will be affected before they can even establish credit? So you, and we never know what can happen. Right. So I just. I for I just recommend I, like I'll personally I'm adding my children at when they turn 17. 
Yeah. Long as you have six months before they turn eighteen, they're fine. Yeah, I, I was a, a a beneficiary of that. Ooh. Uh, so I, I was added to my mom's. I told this story before, but I was added to my mom's American Express card at six seventeen. And so now, even when I get the cards, it'll say member since eighty five, even though I was born in eighty two. But my credit history goes back that far, so it's over thirty seven years. So every time I get a new card. It gets averaged into that, yeah. and so I think when I dang, like, that's a blessing. Ooh. It was a blessing, and that it's, it's still a blessing. Actually, yeah. I still have the card because I just want that history. Oh, because for sure. That that thirty seven years plus a one, they get averaged it, makes it like sixteen years uh, of credit age. So I'm like, that works perfectly. And American Express is a huge relation bank. Like, <clears throat> indeed, man, indeed. having a relate a long standing relationship with them, you can get anything. This is true. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. we, we talked about the number seven hundred, and it's key. Mm -hmm. And I don't want people to, you know, some people may not have a 700, but it feels like that's the goal. But there are people like wh what are the numbers that in the range that people should be trying to get to 700, 750? I know we got some 850s out there. Yeah. So I'm a little different when it comes to credit scores. Right. Okay. Because I know the scoring model and how how much your credit profile um, matters. Most people don't believe me when I say. I had over $100,000 in credit card limits before my score was 700, right? And that was simply because I learned how to set up my credit profile um, that will, that, that far past my credit score. There's a lot of time, there's a lot of people who have over 700 and still can't get approved for over $10,000, $20,000, right? Because their borrowing power does not match their score. So I don't ever recommend a specific score what i will say is like i always say a healthy profile will translate if you i people need to focus on their credit profile more meaning making sure you don't have any late payments if you do have late payments try to rectify those um if you have collections try to try to rectify all of your 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 credit issues make sure that you have at least four accounts open at all times like after you began to build credit, there should never be a time where your credit profile goes below three open account or goes below four open accounts. Anytime, regardless, you can have an 800 credit score. If you, you, if you do not have at least four accounts open, any application that you do, you're going to get what's called um, an empty profile penalty, right? And we don't see this as consumers. We can't see this on our credit score or our credit report. However, when it comes to lenders and how um, our credit reports are are um, assigned and how they translate over to their system. If you have less than three accounts open, four accounts open, then regardless of your score, you're automatically penalized. You're automatically moved down to a lower tier mm -hmm. of borrowing power, multiple tiers rather. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be more important, making sure you're not applying um, for, an, uh, in, like, let's just say an American Express card if you have just opened up two other credit cards in the last six months, right? Um, so those are the things that speaks more to like your approval. Now, when it comes to score, if I had to say, I would say 680 and above, you pretty much, with a healthy profile, you pretty much can get anything. 680, yeah. okay. 680 and above, and it's above. super, and the thing is, it's so, and I know this probably sounds far-fetched to a lot of people, but it's so easy to get a, a 680. Like I actually tell people, if you don't have at least a 650, then usually one or one of three things are the case. You had a recent collection within 18 months, a recent late payment within 24 months, um, or you have high utilization. Because as long as you don't have those, you, at you should at least have a 650, just in terms of how your credit scores, how our credit scores are allotted. So, um, okay, so let's talk about some myths. Mm -hmm. um, what about uh, buying trade, line, trade lines? Is that a, a way to improve your credit score? 
so it's a way to improve your credit score, not borrowing power most of the times. Um, like there in 2000, I want to say nine, if my memory serves correct, there was something called the anti-abuse law that came, um, that released, right? Pertaining to FICO scores. And what that is, is it's because people had overdone the, the trade lines and purchasing trade lines and trying to piggyback off other people's credit history that were not like family. Um, what, what happens is if you, if you do not share an address with a person, the Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Um, if you don't share a last name or basically if the system thinks that this person is not related to you, it'll automatically omit that card from your score. You will see it on your credit report. You will see you, you may and credit karma is probably going to have you believing that your score is a lot higher than it is. However, you, in the, within the algorithm, it's not going to credit you for that. So I personally don't buy. I don't recommend buying trade lines. There's just so many other things that you can do with the money to build your own credit profile. Okay. Um, what about credit repair? A lot of credit repair companies and different tactics. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, some people report um, like uh, fraud, like yeah. on their thing saying yeah. like they didn't use the card for this, and that's mm -hmm. like a way to kind of get credit. So, what is what's what's some of the myths about credit repair and credit repair tactics? <laughs> I can go on and on about this topic. Um, because I am in a credit education space especially online i'm my timeline is usually filled with a lot of like videos about credit and, and credit repair specifically right when it comes to credit repair number one let me just say this the worst thing you can do when you are challenging accounts on your credit report is say that that account was not yours this account is fraud this account does not belong to me this account belongs to x y and z that is the worst type of dispute simply because that's the easiest thing for the credit bureaus to prove so the second that they and not only that as long as they can prove if you're claiming that this account is not yours if the credit bureaus can prove that this account is relevant to you and and they that all they have to do is match three points of information it could be your last name your zip code your address as long as they can match three points of information to that account not only have you ruined your chances of probably ever getting that account deleted and removed, you also do not have, you don't have, um, you can't re-challenge it. Like you, you remove yourself from being able to properly challenge an account or, or challenge your credit report because you lied essentially. Right. And you, and also, like I said, it's just a, it's a very easy thing for them to prove. It's not, it's not a, I would never suggest that you challenge your credit reports that way unless it's true fraud, um, especially because there are so many other ways that you can challenge it legally, ethically, and also that abides by the consumer laws um, and that'll that'll increase your chances of actually getting the account removed or fixed. So what are some of those ways? Number one, make so I personally recommend because I I do teach. I hate to say credit repair because, like I said, I don't even like the stigma attached to it. However, when it comes to your credit report, I am a firm believer that you you are in a consumer loss tells us this that you as a consumer we have the right to request validation for every single account on our credit report right now 
you the accounts that you want to request validation from are typically going to be like the negative ones right if you have any collections if you have charge offs if you have late payments challenge the validity of that account simply all you have to do is ask for an investigation that's just under six fcra 611 the first letter should always be hey i'm requesting an investigation on this account never make assumptions or accuse the company of anything especially not the first round right you just simply say hey i want you to investigate this account and let me know what you find i have i have a few reasons to believe this account may not be all the way accurate so investigate it for me right so as opposed to saying this account is not mine all you're simply doing is making sure that it is accurate just because an account is yours doesn't mean that it can't get can't get removed legally there are 37 other things that can be wrong with this account per the metro 2 compliancy laws um in terms of credit reporting that can legally get the account removed and, and even if it's your account right so ask for an investigation once that comes back and you know the credit bureaus will typically say like hey we investigated it we we, ver we verified it right you are, you just assume that they're going to do that because they do the second round should always be following up on your investigation uh, again fcra 611 section 611 tells us that if we do not agree with an investigation request we can ask for a reinvestigation the 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 thing with a reinvestigation is now you can request proof now you can say hey i don't know if this is all the way right so as opposed to you just telling me that this account is verified i need proof i need if it's a collection i need a letter from the original creditor that claims ownership over the collection agency that that shows that they transfer that ownership right a lot of times collection agencies can't produce that a lot of times collect most 90 percent of the time collection agencies don't actually have all of the information that they need to properly validate an account right so challenging that aspect of it and challenging paperwork will will you usually get you a deletion legally and you don't have to worry about oh my god when is this account going to come back or you know things like that like you don't have to worry about that if you challenge it properly then it's fine can we stay in that vein yeah for sure it's kind of like a two-part question mm -hmm. and it maybe it's a myth and you could probably debunk it but what you what you're speaking on if it doesn't come off then it becomes a derogatory item on your on your credit right so like we, we talked about late payments mm -hmm. we talked about collections so about the timeline right because I, people were like well i made like one one late payment but like from what my understanding that late payment stays on the report for seven years right is that still true like what what's yeah, the, it's true. okay that's a good question so late payments a late payment is going for the for the life of that account on your credit report as long as that account is on your credit report that late payment is going to be on that account right however the last three years of our credit profile is what's most impactful on our credit scores right mm -hmm. so if you have a late payment number one you should be asking for a goodwill adjustment for from your from the company if the account is still open that's the first step hey I'm, you go directly to the company hey i made a mistake i got a late payment do you can are you able to forgive this late payment if they forgive it then it'll be as though it never happened they'll update the credit bureaus the late payment is going to be removed from your account or from your credit report and you'll get you'll gain all the points back if you're in a situation where you can't get your late payment removed here's the thing one late payment equals 11 on-time payments right so to undo the impact of that one late payment you need 11 on-time payments in the same category so if it's a late payment on a credit card until you get 11 other on-time payments on credit cards then you're not really like the points will just be gone the credit profile the the, the damage that it does to your credit profile is going to still be present it 
cancels out one another essentially once you get 11 on-time payments. So if, if you're a person who has 10 late payments, your goal should be making sure that you for the next 11 months or basically I just say the next year, no late, hopefully no late payments ever okay. again, but right. you know, 11 on-time payments cancels out one late payment. So that's, that's crazy. So this, this is the other part because mm -hmm. we talk about the things that credit can affect, right? Obviously mm -hmm. your score, but it could affect loans and yeah. sometimes employment, Yeah. but it also can affect relationships. Mm. This is important, right? Because mm. you said you need to have maybe three to four items on your credit report. Yes. And some people, when they're in relationships, we've seen, I'm going to get a car, <clears throat> I didn't get approved. Can you co-sign? I love this. Y'all asking a good question. This is this is why, yeah. We've been known to do it yeah. a few times. <laughs> uh, so talk about that. The, I mean, yes. co-signing could, could be Let's very detrimental. This. So one of the things that I do in my day-to-day -day is um, I'm, I'm a credit specialist uh, specializing in mortgage scoring, right? So mm -hmm. I deal with a lot of people who can't seem to close on their home, who need a few more points to, to, to get obtain a home loan. Now, this is one of the things that I see so much and i and i we need to change it so when it comes to married couple spouses make sure that the accounts are evenly dis dis distributed right so make sure um make sure that one spouse does not have all of the is not the primary um account holder account owner of all of the accounts and then the other spouse usually like the stay-at-home spouse is just co-signed on all of the accounts there is something in, within the credit card act of 2009 that says um, on every credit card application, legally, you can use what's called household income. So if you're a spouse, if you have a spouse that maybe does not make a lot of money or, you know, stays at home, as opposed to them just being a co-signer and authorized user on all of spouses, one accounts, they can apply using the income. They can apply using um, their spouse's income. So make sure that they still have credit cards um home loan or not home loans but loans and installments in their name as owner because when you only have co-signed accounts authorized user accounts then you're never going to unleash your true borrowing power because it's based on someone else regardless of who it is um so make sure yes i'm glad you asked that question because that man there that happens so often like it'll just it'll be one person has great credit and then one person has subpar credit because they don't have any they haven't built any credit. Yeah, and that's if you're married. If yeah, it was your it, girl, your boyfriend, your boyfriend, yeah. and you broke up. Good luck. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> to speak on that, co-signing, no, 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 no. I won't co-sign. I'm not co-signing <laughs> for nobody because that affects you. Like if you co-sign for someone, um, and you can have amazing credit, if they choose to not pay it or you know run up your card, you are responsible for that. Yeah. When it comes to co-signing, when it comes to um authorized users. Authorized users, they don't have any legal um, binding to that account. So they can run it up. They can spend every dollar. And it still is going to be your fault. When you co-sign for someone, that if that account goes derogatory, it's going to affect both persons' credit report. And you can't do nothing about it. Um, so what about credit consolidation? Is that always the most beneficial way to kind of no. manage multiple No, it's not. Um, that, that chips away at your credit age drastically. So... Um, now, it, it like when it comes to like student loans and things of that nature, sometimes that it's worth it, right? But when it comes to just consolidating your everyday credit cards, I don't always recommend it unless like you're just trying to prevent bankruptcy or something like major like that. But consolidation, I'm not the biggest fan of. Um, 
just because it, it it doesn't really aid to you improving your your borrowing power. So if people have bad credit and they're trying to improve their credit, mm -hmm. what what's the steps to actually go from, you know, having issues and bad credit to having better credit? Yes. Uh, the good thing about having bad credit is you have a lot of points that you can obtain. Like the lower your credit score is, the more points you, you can grab. Right. So. My favorite thing when helping someone with their credit is when they do have a low credit score because it's so easy to 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 get those points. You just have to understand that um, obtaining those points will not come from just repairing your credit or disputing your credit report. It's going to come from building credit. That is where the points are released from. Right. So making sure if you have bad credit, if you have collections, charge offs, whatever. There is no nothing that will help you other than building credit, making sure that you have those those four accounts, two credit cards, two installments, one short term, one long term, making sure you do not pay off that installment early, the short term installment specifically, um, because you want to build credit. Right. Um, also, if you are if you do have collections challenging those right if they get removed great but if they if they do not get removed you still can have good credit with collections um because the older a collection gets the less impact that it has on your score the 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 more credit that you've established since the collection will help you sort of undo bad credit right um i i think i had it was one account that I could not get removed. And again, that, that did not stop me from getting credit cards or buying a home and things of that nature because I had established credit um, that spoke to my financial habits, my current financial habits, more than those old collections. Right. Um, but yeah, so making sure you have your building credit. That's what people people will say. I have bad credit, so I'm just not going to touch my credit for seven years. It's the worst thing you can do because that's seven years of wasted time where you can build credit. You can come back from collections. I've never, I've never, and I have helped thousands. I've looked at thousands of credit reports. I have never seen a credit report that is irreparable ever. And I didn't see 300 credit scores. Mm -hmm. That's the, you know, that's the lowest credit score you can get. The The lowest score that I've seen, FICO score was a 311, the lowest. 311. Right? It goes lower than 350. No, it was well, so the lowest score you can get is 300. Oh, 300. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, the lowest score you can get is 300. The highest you can get is 850. I've seen a 311 credit score. Damn. People think that because they have bad credit, they, they you know, they're just doomed for the next seven years. That's not true. Mm -hmm. Build credit and you will get credit points. When you add your credit card in the first month, the first month that you get a credit card, um, please, Everybody who's watching this, if this is your first credit card, do not allow that first month to be wasted on reporting a zero dollar uh, utilization because a lot of people get their credit cards and they scared to use it. So um, they'll just like whatever, like keep it in their pocket or keep it in their wallet. When you activate that card, you typically are going to be mid cycle, depending on how long your bank took to mail it to you. Go get some gas, go buy some chips, go do something so that you have at least one to three percent reporting that first time. The reason why it's important the first time is because when your credit card hits your credit report for the first time, um, you open yourself up to utilization. Because if you don't have any credit cards, you're not getting a single point out of the 165 points that are, that are allotted for you credit utilization. So when you first get your credit card, make sure that you report a very small a very small balance. So the second that that credit card hits your credit report, which is usually like sixty days after you get it, you'll see a you'll see you should see a large increase in your credit score. Yeah, go buy you a pair of sneakers, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I wonder what your thoughts around this because mm -hmm. we spoke about student loans a few times, 
And I feel like we're on the cusps of a student loan crisis, right? Yeah. We had a student loan pause. Yeah. Now people have to put the pay again. And obviously mm -hmm. there will be the faults and there'll be forbearance. Mm -hmm. But that's a trickle down effect, it right? Is. Because it if is. there's a student loan crisis, that would mean that there will be a credit crisis too, yes. because that will impact people's credits and that will affect how people will be able to get home loans, which yes. will have a housing crisis. So from your standpoint in the middle of it right mm -hmm. with the credit piece talk about the importance of student loans student loan repayment and and what we can do uh for, for that population and even yeah. not even that population but everybody it's 43 yeah. million people who have student loans yeah studies show that i, I want to say 83 percent of people have credit or have student loans on their credit reports right so it's, it basically affects all of us when it comes to student loans, um, I, I know a lot of people always like, I want to get my student loans deleted. They're messing up my credit. The thing is, your student loans are actually probably helping your credit way more than it's hurting it. The only time it hurts it is if you have like multiple late payments. But a student loan is like one of the easiest accounts to to use, utilize to build credit because most people are in default, in deferment, or not in default, in deferment, majority of their student loan journey. Um, and if the thing is, your student loans are not going to be reported late until you're at least 90 days late. The The thing about that is 90 days late is three consecutive late payments. So the second that you're even you even uh, realize that you are late on your student loans, you, you're down three late payments. Mm -hmm. So that that's a hard hit to your credit score. When it comes to your loan service, if you contact them and work out a, an agreement, get on deferment, nothing's wrong with deferment, then you will avoid a late payment. But but as opposed to like paying off your student loans. I'm in the middle about that because, you know, a part of me, I know a lot of people are upset about, you know, we were promised the $10,000, $20,000. A lot of people were banking on their student loans being forgiven and all of that. So they, you know, didn't think that they would have to pay it. But the thing, if you have student loans on your credit report, make sure that you are contacting your servicer and getting on a deferment plan. They're not going to deny a deferment legally within the next 12 months if you request it they have to give it to you if you have a federal student loan request a uh request deferment before your account goes 90 days past due actually next month next month a lot of people unfortunately will probably have late payments on their credit report because that's it's been 90 days since um the uh -huh. pause ended so it, yep. calling this month though will prevent it like so again if you if you have not contacted your servicer if they have not reached out to you make sure that you're in contact with them um before within before january basically so that you can avoid that that late payment but student loans really help because a lot of people have get student loans when they turn 18 and you know they'll have it forever most people <laughs> most people have it forever and that's fine like you it doesn't if as long as your student loans are in good standing um it, it won't prevent you from getting anything so let me ask you this as far mm -hmm. as the um <clears throat> People trying to recover from bad credit, mm -hmm. if they're overwhelmed with credit card debt, um, what are some options? Can they call to negotiate a settlement? Can they call and negotiate better rate? Obviously, it's, you know bankruptcy. But yeah. like, if you if you're just in a situation where you just you can't get it paid down, um, what are some options for people? Um, so w when it comes to credit cards, if you just can't pay it down, well, number one, you have to make sure that you stop using like the cards, stop, you know, buying things so that you, you can, you can manage it properly. Um, number two, it's so tough right now because we're at, we're in a, we're in a, we're in a, um, time where credit card interest rates are the highest that they've ever been ever. Um, so a lot of people with credit card debt is just mounting 
you know, it's just growing every single month. So the best thing you can do at this point, if it's just like out of your control and you do not foresee yourself being able to pay that credit card down within the next 90 days, the best thing to do is honestly to close that card right now so that um, you can then work on a payment plan. Now, don't close it and then forget about it and not contact your bank. No, close it, but have a plan to um, work out an, a, a, either a settlement with the bank or an agreement to pay it back. Um, if you close it and do nothing, then it'll probably end in, end up a charge off within 30 or within 60 days. But closing it so that you can uh, stop the charges temporarily, stop, you know, stop the interest a little bit and work on paying it back. You can I, I would say you can, of course, you know, get another credit card. You can transfer that balance. But most most likely, if you are in credit card debt, you probably don't even have the borrowing power to get another credit card to transfer the balance to a lower interest rate um, card. So, yeah, like so you can settle with banks. Uh, and now a lot of banks are in tax time is coming up. So banks settle tremendously during tax time. Like they bank on that time. So yeah. now's the time to try to you know come up with a conclusion on how you're going to settle your balances um and you know rectify it like your your habits but yeah you can settle you can settle but you got to know that you, you you will have to pay it yeah i, I actually went through that as well mm -hmm. <laughs> uh yeah reached out to a bank it was i think at one point i was late or something maybe i think i had utilized the, the credit card to the max and then they i was late and they raised the interest rates from like 19 percent. this was like my my college credit card mm -hmm. it went up to 29 percent. then it became just ridiculous i looked at yeah. the payoff date it was like it seems crazy now but it was 2035 and this is like the year 2000 i'm like all right house. <laughs> yeah i'm like there's no way this is gonna happen yeah. so then I, I called and they consolidated it down to a point where i had to pay it off but i just had to make sure i paid six consecutive payments mm -hmm. on seven something uh, at the same yeah, usually it's like six to nine months yeah. yeah yeah so when when it comes to things like that when we're trying to pay off debt because mm -hmm. there's been different strategies and i wondered if you have one right is it do i pay the card that has the highest usage or do i pay the one that has the least usage so i pay that off and then i work my way like the snowball yeah, no. effect like what's your what's, what's your thoughts around that so that's a great question i i do like the snow so if your goal is to just get rid of your credit card debt and you don't really care to to raise your credit score at this time if you're not trying to use your credit then the snowball effect is probably the most effective get the credit card with the highest interest rate pay it down and then work your way down right um however if you are still trying to use your credit and want to grow your credit why you are paying down your utilization then i personally recommend look at any car that has a util utilization over 48 percent tackle those first if you can get all of your cards under 48 percent then you don't have what's called the max out penalty on your credit score meaning when you apply for credit um it's not showing that you have a card that's maxed out right Ma people think maxed out is 100 percent. after 48 percent, banks are looking at you like you have a maxed out card so get all of your cards over 48 percent, under 48 percent. then the next tier that you should aim for is under 30 percent. so once you get all the cards under 45 percent, work work um to get them under under 30 percent mm -hmm. and then you just work your way down if you care about your credit score what, what's the penalty at 48 is it it's points oh, yeah oh points for sure okay. so basically depending on how many cars you any cars that you have over 48 percent, and depending on the score that they're looking at i'll say homes i'll use uh the mortgage scoring mm -hmm. Every card over 48%, you're going to, uh, you basically should minus 15 points per card um, okay. from from your score. And also, if you are, if you have cards that are 
on or 30% to 45 or 30% to 47%, you pretty much need to match or you need to um subtract about 10 points per car, right? Mortgage points. So, so yeah, the 48% when it comes to credit cards is showing that you're maxed out, right? So get all of your cards under 48%, then get them under 30% and then, you know, work your way down if you care about your score. But if you just are concerned with ridding yourself of credit card debt, the you know, the, as fast as you can or cheap the cheapest that you can then yeah the snowball effect is the is probably the one that makes the most sense because the interest does continue to build of course on credit cards so um let's talk about business credit what's the difference between personal credit and business credit as far as how it's looked at for your credit score and how you get it and stuff like that yeah so most business most business credit cards or loans are not solely based it's not based on your personal credit score it's based on like your business profile profile score and so there is a way to build your business score but it is different and separate from like your personal credit score what i tell everyone make sure because you i find a lot of people especially in the industry that will only care about their business score but then like just don't care about their personal score which to me it's backwards if you have a great credit score personal credit score then it also sets you up to have and build great business credit easier like you don't you're not i have never had any of those net 30 accounts that people recommend i don't i don't deal with all of that but i do have a lot of business credit extended to me simply by using my personal credit people um always say like you don't want to pg your personal credit I, I mean i personally i do not subscribe to that theory um if i have great personal credit you absolutely can it can i can definitely um vouch for my business credit hey. with my personal credit because number one lower interest like if you are just going solely off your business credit profile you're going to pay higher interest for pretty much everything um if you pg it most of the cars that pg you're it's lower interest pg personal guarantee personal guarantee yeah okay. yeah yeah and so also building establishing personal relationships with companies like we talked about american express that's the like you can get an Amer you have an American Express personal card. Now you can get an American Express business card. Mm -hmm. Same goes with Chase. Same same goes um, with most of the big banks. So, um, yeah, I personally build business credit on the back of my personal credit, and that does not mean that they're reporting on my personal credit profile. Mm -hmm. It just means that once I when I applied for that account, they looked at my personal credit, and I have no problem with that because it good. Go ahead, <laughs> right? So I, I wonder from from that aspect when they look at your personal profile and your business profile do inquiries work the same because i know a lot of new businesses will apply for new credit cards yes. and so do they look at the same and are how does that work are, are they negative are they derogatory if you have a certain amount within a year so are you referring to like if they do if you do pg it and they do run your personal right. credit and it's for a business account are you saying does those affect well i, I know if i apply for like five credit cards which mm -hmm. i wouldn't but business if i did or personal personal first oh, okay, right okay. so if i the, that would look at as too many inquiries mm -hmm. within a certain amount of time right if I have a business mm -hmm. and I'm applying for credit cards, do those inquiries, does it, is it looked at the same? No, it, it, is, it isn't looked at the same when it comes to business because most of the times, like the funding requirements are different okay. and, you know, but however, when it comes to your personal credit, credit card inquiries weigh more than installment increase. Um, so if you're applying for a car, you can apply, like if you go to a car lot, you know, they'll pull, they'll run your credit like 20 times for mm -hmm. most people if you don't come already with your financing. Those are not counted individually. A lot of people freak out when that happens. But if you are doing, if you're um, applying for installments, loans within a 14 day time frame, there is something that's called deduplication, which all increase of the same manner will be um, basically there. You're only going to be affected at the weight of one. 
you'll see all of them on your credit profile, but they're not all individually impacting you. Now, when it comes to credit cards, they're the worst type of increase because they every single credit card increase does impact you the same. Hmm. But I mean, here's the thing. Increase are only worth up to 55 points. So I tell people all the time, people worry about increase more than they worry about payment history, credit utilization, credit age. And it's just like, you should not be trying to um, save or protect your credit increase more than you are building credit. Like, cause a lot of people will not build credit because they're scared of increase. And it's just like, so you're going to, you 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 care more about 10% of your credit profile than collectively 75% of your profile that doesn't make sense when you're building credit you're going to get increased i i don't i don't care about increase ever cuz if you have a great credit profile they will never affect you there has never in the history of ever where you were was someone <laughs> denied solely for increase and people com people convince themselves that the increase is what caused the denial like no you were denied because you have a late, a late payment or X, Y, and Z. A bank is not going to deny you solely because of, the, of an increase if your credit profile qualifies for the card or account. They would be they would be crazy. A bank wants you to you know of course borrow the money from them. Um, and if you are denied for an increase, you can always get a reconsideration. So, um, how many credit cards should you have? Um, depending on your goals. So I. For, for the everyday average person, I would say you, I will always recommend everyone to have an everyday credit card. Um, and that's just a credit card where you put all of your everyday expenses, food, groceries, all of that. So get a credit card, hopefully that um, has a reward program set up that lends to everyday um, living, like the City Premier, Amex Gold or something like that. And then you should always have an emergency credit card. So a card that you can go to for emergencies. You don't really spend on this card a lot. It's solely for emergencies. This is These are the cards that are best for emergency cards are going to be credit union cards because they have the lowest interest rates. Um, and then you can have an, you can have a card for just like your personal spending in terms of just like um like your three to six month goals or any large purchases a car that grows um so you really can get by in life with three credit cards i i have more but for the everyday average american like three credit cards to me is perfect so when you said that if i went to credit Commerce and all these other sites credit sesame credit.com they're not going to give me the most accurate number right they'll mm -hmm. give me a guesstimate is the most accurate place to get your credit or track your credit, follow it? Because a lot of people would like to do that. Is it is it myfico.com? Yes, myfico or even Experian. And Experian is cheaper. Okay. Shout out to Experian. They're cheaper um, and you get all of your FICO scores. Okay. So yes. Yeah. How, how often should you check your credit? I mean, I so I mean, you should have credit monitoring active, you know, and there are so many free apps. You can monitor your credit based on your Vantage score, but if you want to know where you stand in terms of FICO, I would say check every quarter at least. Um, you, everyone should print out or at least download their official credit reports at least once a year, um, if not every six months. And it's free. If you go to annualcreditreport.com, it is a must that you know what's on your credit profile, especially if you are trying to improve your credit or um, challenge your credit accounts. Do not challenge solely off credit monitoring. Credit monitoring, um, whether that's my FICO experience, Credit Karma, they only really have a history of the last two years of the account. Mm -hmm. There are so like there are so many missed opportunities that you can use to challenge that account. If you're challenging your accounts, that is going to be only found on your official credit reports, not on not on not on credit monitoring apps. Yeah, I actually have a credit card. Mm -hmm. That's the subscription to my FICO. 
Oh, oh, well, that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah. A lot of companies now are starting to offer FICO, which is good because yeah. most they were yeah thirty two ninety nine a month. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm grandfathered into the twenty nine ninety nine plan on my FICO, so I'm like, oof. She got it I, they're up to forty now, though. Wow. Yeah. Can't do it. Mm -mm. Well, <laughs> wealth of information. Um, so talk about your business and, and how you help people before we leave. I think that's important. Yeah. So Road to Seven Fifty is an online uh, financial education platform. So I specialize in just educating about credit. Um, and through the education of credit, you can utilize those tools to repair your credit and fix it ethically, legally, because that is so important to me to, to, to not get caught up in the matrix of what credit repair has become on social media um, and trying to find short term fixes to your credit to just get a car, get a credit card. If you truly want quality credit and, and want your credit profile um, that will translate across all of your credit and FICO scores, buy a house and all of that, then follow me at Road to 750 plus on Instagram. I'm on TikTok, uh, all the all the sites. And um, I get free financial education daily, free. Um, if you want specialized help in repairing your credit, then I have Credit Academy, which is my baby, but it is a my membership group that I started. It is $39.99 a month and you will not only repair your credit, but you'll also um uh you'll also establish your credit or build your credit or rebuild wherever you are in the process. Um so we focus on both portions of credit repair or credit restoration, which is repairing, but also building because you can't do one without the other. Um, and yeah, so Credit Academy is available. You can go to roadto750.net. And yeah, just follow me on all platforms. You'll see me down your timeline probably. There you have it. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. And, and for sure. And thank you for, again, for coming to all the events. Um, something yes. I think yeah. the audience definitely got a lot of benefit from every time. So and I greatly appreciate it. For we appreciate sure. you, Shana. And, um, yeah, thank you guys for rocking us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Thank Peace. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.